0: We're picking up then the theme of rain, God's rain. If I can have my slides, that would be brilliant. The theme of God's rain. It seemed pertinent and appropriate that as we enter into this Advent season, to think about the way that Christmas announces God's rain in different ways. We've been asking the question through this last year and perhaps we've been asking the question, uh, through the last, over the last few years. Who reigns? Who's in charge? Who do we look to? Who do we depend upon? What is our foundation for today and tomorrow? Who reigns when we have a global pandemic? Who reigns when there's a war in Ukraine? Who reigns when the queen who reigns, small r, no longer uh, reigns? And we wonder what the coming reign might be like. As we face a cost of living crisis, who reigns? When you face what you face, who reigns? Who reigns when your health is under threat? Who reigns when your finances are under pressure? Who reigns when that job that you hoped for didn't come to fruition? Who reigns when that particular situation didn't work out? Who reigns when that season comes to an end? Luke begins his Christmas story with the announcement that God reigns. Think about that for a moment. Just think about that. He begins with the announcement, and you'll see why in just a moment, that God reigns. Can you breathe that in for a moment? Hello? Anybody? Yeah? That God reigns? Can you see how easy it is to lean into the fact that other things and other people and other situations reign? And yet, if you pause for a moment and you center yourself and you breathe deeply, you can remind yourself that God reigns. I don't know about you, but I need that in my life, don't you? I need that certainty, that anchor that above all else, God reigns. Many have undertaken to draw up an account, Luke wrote, of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Luke wants to remind us that whatever is about to unfold and he's going to tell us stories of uh Elizabeth and Zachariah he's going to tell us stories of Mary and he's going to go on to tell the stories of the early uh, of the first Christmas story He wants to remind us that what those things represent is not a new story, it's not something just a coming out of a clear blue sky, but these are things that fulfill what has been longed for and waited for through the whole of the Old Testament. Because God reigns. Because God has been working out His plan through the frailty of humanity, not just for a month or a year or a decade, but for centuries, since the foundation of the earth. Since when in Genesis there was that prophetic word that a son of man, a son, sorry, a son of Eve would crush Satan's head. Ever since the priests would go every week and every month and every year to offer sacrifices at the temple for the forgiveness of sins, longing for the day when they would no longer need to repeat those sacrifices, ever since the prophet spoke of a new coming kingdom that would never end, Luke says, what you are about to see and witness and know is the fulfillment of all that's been longed for and hoped for because God reigns. This is God's story that began in heaven, will end in heaven and comes right through the created order. And even the fallenness of humanity will not stop God's reigning purpose coming to fruition and completion. Do I get an amen for that? This is the story of God who reigns. God has done something that is unstoppable. God has done something that will not and cannot be thwarted because God reigns. There is a bigger, better story than the temporal, earthly story of our ordinary comings and goings. Are you with me? Look again at the verse. Many... Have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled. Who have they been fulfilled among? Us. 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 Christmas announces God's reign. But so much more than that. Christmas announces God's invitation for us to come under that reign. And I don't know about you, but as you think of all the powers and all the circumstances and all the situations that give the pretense of reigning, I'm ready to come under God's unstoppable, unthwarted reign, aren't you? I'm ready to come under that which is secure and will never change. And we are invited into that reign to share in it to be touched by it, to be caught up in it. That's what we call God's grace, who says, come on in under my reign, under my protection, under my provision, under my great story. And I guess we might ask, well, how are we part of it? It doesn't, at first glance, seem to make sense because when Jesus came in first-century Palestine, he, he clearly didn't do those things among us. But Luke is Luke wasn't there. The writer of uh, wasn't there either. He's bringing together all the accounts. So, so when he says "among us," what what does he what does he mean? What does he understand by that? Well, it's the perfect tense. Among us, Jesus did something. When he lived and died and rose and ascended to heaven, he did something once that's completed, the effects of which, the connection of which, the impact of which, the change that it brought will never be diminished. It's a perfect tense. The effects of it go on and on and on. In other words, Luke is saying what Jesus did in those first weeks and months and those three ministry years of his life, what Jesus did then, you and I are caught up in, you and I are connected to, you and I are involved, even though we weren't physically there. So when a desperate woman pushes through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment, that woman can be you or me. When the rich young ruler, realising that for all his riches and status and wealth, he cannot help his dying daughter, that rich young ruler can be you or, me. or maybe the daughter herself struggling, her life ebbing away until Jesus spoke words to her. That daughter can be you or me. Or maybe the lofty tax collector who, who, who prayed full of his own importance. Or the one who cried out to have mercy can be you or me. Am I the widow giving all that she had? Or have I promised so much and delivered so little? We are caught up in the story of what God is doing. We are invited to come under that reign. But there's more. How do we how do we respond? How do how do we move from where we are and say, "Yes, I'm, I'm coming in. I'm, I know I'm part of this story, but I want to deliberately step in to coming under God's reign." As Luke reminds us that we're part of this bigger story that these players, Elizabeth and Zechariah and Mary, all in chapter one of Luke. They're not just uh, coming out of nowhere, but they're part of this great story that's being fulfilled. We know that the last thing that the Old Testament said was that there would be someone who would come and prepare the way of the Lord. And then it all went silent. It all went silent. Not for a year or two or even a decade, but for hundreds of years. It went silent. Do you know what it's like when it's silent in your life? When God seems distant and missing and gone? There was this long period of silence. Christmas announces that the silence is broken the silence is broken. And suddenly we get this flurry of prophetic activity. Suddenly out of uh, seemingly nowhere with Zechariah and Mary and then Anna and Simeon and John the Baptist. And of course Jesus himself. You get this flurry of God's word coming afresh. The silence is broken. And God was not only breaking the silence in that situation, in that moment. Remember, we're caught up in the story. It's an invitation for God to break that silence in our own lives. For God to say yes in our moment, in our time. Fulfilled among us. Fulfilled with us. The very first temptation that Jesus faced was to acknowledge that you don't need uh, uh, just bread to live. But the foundation of our life is the very word of God itself. Man shall not live on bread alone. And Jesus was quoting right out of the heart of the Old Testament. And it says this, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man, mankind does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so Jesus will quote that at the beginning of his ministry as a reminder that not only is the silence broken, but the silence being broken is what it means to come under the reign of God. Because Christmas announces... But listening and responding is our response to God's reign. And if you think about it, all through the Gospels, that's how people entered into God's reign. They heard something from God and they stepped into what God was doing. And so we're introduced to uh, three characters. uh, A married couple, Elizabeth and Zechariah and Mary. who hear the voice of God. And they step into his reign. They step into what he is doing. They step into the story. They get caught up. Their little stories gets caught up in God's big story. I don't know how much you know of the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. But they adopted a posture where their hearts were open. Their hearts were open to hear God speak it says if you, you have it open in front of you that uh, Zechariah was a priest and Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron in other words they were they were good proper stock and they observed the lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly but that's not enough is it it's not enough just for us to come from good stock whatever good stock might be it's not just enough for us to observe something externally, our uh, uh, observances of, of ritual and uh, regulations. Jesus had some of the toughest things, he said, to those that were observing things on the outside, but their hearts were not right. The key verse is this for Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were both upright in the sight of God. Their hearts were open. Their hearts were open. And it's an amazing thing really for them to live with their hearts open because they'd gone through so much. You see, without children in that culture, and in so many ways in all kinds of cultures, uh, the pain is so real of not being able to have children and yet longing for them. But in addition, in their culture, there was a disgrace There was a mockery, there was a a, a pointing the finger. The village would have speculated how uh, sinful somehow or somewhere they must have been so that they were unable to have children, so that God had somehow closed up uh, Elizabeth's womb. And of course they faced an uncertain future without descendants to look after them in their old age. And so they'd lived with this lifetime of disappointment and unmet longings and unfulfilled dreams, a lifetime of shame and rebuff. So easy, isn't it? For bitterness to rise, for anger to rise, for pain and hurt to fill the depths of our hearts. And yet somehow, somehow this beautiful couple, I love the way it talks about them as a couple, this beautiful couple, kept their hearts open to God. I wonder what darkness stops you keeping your heart open. To God. Wonder what pain gets in the way of your heart being open to God. Wonder what disappointments, wonder what hurts, wonder what sadnesses get in the way of your heart being open to God. You see what? See the connection? At Christmas, what do we say? At Christmas, we say the light is coming into the darkness. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. How do you keep your heart open? How do you keep your heart open when life sucks? How do you keep your heart open when you've been bruised and hurt and wounded and damaged? How do you keep your heart open when you feel disappointed and overwhelmed? How do you keep your heart open to God? It's when the light comes in. You see, the only reason we need the light is because the darkness is there. You with me? And so the light shines in the darkness. Where is the light of Jesus to shine in your life this Christmas? Where is the darkness in you that he has come to dispel? That you might have a heart that's open afresh to God. That listening and responding, you might step more fully into his reign. Everyone's pretty hard on Zechariah, aren't they? Because when God did show up and speak to him, he didn't quite believe what God said and God shut his mouth. He was dumbstruck or struck dumb. Probably better to be struck dumb than to say something stupid if you're not quite ready for what God has to say to you, wouldn't you think? It was probably a grace in the end. Sometimes we wish we'd been dumb struck or struck dumb. But Elizabeth and Zechariah had lived with hearts that were open. They'd lived with hearts that were open. And then the story just races on to Mary very quickly. And, and at first it, it seems strange why, why, why suddenly as this silence is broken and we're thinking about what is the kind of posture in our lives that enables the, the silence to be broken and we see the open hearts of Elizabeth and Zechariah at first. Well, what is there about Mary? She's literally a teenage girl and she's perhaps just busy in her, in her house just like any other teenage girl with, in that culture with uh, responsibilities and, and so on and, and so forth. And yet, into her world, God speaks. Into her world, God breaks in and uh, and speaks to her. And in contrast to Zechariah, the kind of professional religious person who wasn't quite ready to hear what God had to say. Mary is super ready. And she kind of goes, I'm in. I'm in. How come she was so open? How come she was so ready? Well, she rushes off, we're told, after the angel came to Mary and said that you're going to uh, carry the, the Messiah. She rushes off to Elizabeth. Uh, and the, the baby, you know the story perhaps, the baby in Elizabeth's room leaps for joy. And they, they have this, this, this wonderful moment of sensing that God is doing something unique and new. That God is suddenly changing everything. And Mary bursts into a song called The Magnificat. And what's so curious about that song is that it's full of the Old Testament. Mary had been listening all her life. How did she know that stuff? Mary had been listening all her life. Hats off to her parents that had taught her in the way that she should go. What does it mean? What does it mean for you and I to have our hearts open to the voice of God? If it's listening and responding is our response to God's reign. It's the way that we come under God's reign, the way that we establish our lives under the right authority. What does it mean? Well, so firstly then about Zechariah and Elizabeth, what is, where is the darkness that needs to be dispelled so that your heart can be open? And I think maybe the secret for Mary is this. Act on what you already know. Because all of us have heard. All of us know some stuff about loving our spouse or loving our children or reaching out to our neighbor or being generous at work. Or, or Act on what we know. Start with the thing that we've already heard and step into what we've already heard. And we open our lives to what God might say next. And so the whole chapter ends with this global perspective, this great story of God's unstoppable reign and these three beautiful individuals stepping into the story that God has for them that's part of the big story because they had hearts that were open, they listened and they responded. And this is being fulfilled where among us. That's our invitation to step into God's big story that our stories get entwined with his story as we open ourselves to what God's saying and we step in and we make our response. And then suddenly, almost as, uh, as the chapter begins, so it ends with this incredible picture, incredible picture of the way the story moves unstoppable towards its finish because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Zechariah can see it now. As he worships, he can see already a day when the light has banished the darkness. He can see already a day when the shadow of death is beginning to lift. He can see people being saved and sins being forgiven. And heaven's fullness coming to earth as the darkness lifts. And as the light shines into that darkness. And the troubledness of earth gives way to the eternal peace that heaven brings. And so we choose to join in that reign. A few things. What's God saying? And what am I going to do uh, about it? What's God saying? And what am I going to do about it? Just pause with me for that question. Where, Where is the darkness in you that stops you? That stops you? Where is the darkness in you that stops the silence breaking over your life? Or is there something that you already know? And God's asking you to step into that. Temptation is to say, I don't hear anything from God. And yet we've all heard something. And as we take responsibility for what we've already heard, so we open up our hearts for the next thing that God might say. Can you see what it is that you should do, that you could do? Based on what you already know, on what you've already heard. Jesus, Jesus. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness. Shine your light, Lord. I choose to live under your reign. I say yes to your invitation. I take hold that all that you did was not just among them. But it's true. Among us. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.